I guess maybe the meta point here is if, uh, if you have something that feels off in your research practice or your product or design things, maybe just take a moment and take like a holistic look on how you're going to approach it versus just taking the like what seems to maybe be the obvious path. This is Aaron May. I'm John Henry Forster, and this is Awkward Silence. Silences. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Awkward Silences. Today, we are here with Roberta, our friend and VP of UX Research here at User Interviews. Welcome back, Roberta. Hi. It's good to be here. Got JH here, too. Yeah, new format. I'm excited. New format. So we're trying a new thing. So, uh, you know, let us know if you like it in whatever way you want to do that, Twitter or something. And if you don't like it, don't let us know. Don't let us know. (laughs) Don't want to hear it. We only like positive feedback. Just kidding. That is not what we do here at User Interviews. We want all the feedback, good, bad, and ugly. And on that note, we have a format for this potentially recurring series where we get Roberta on to join us and talk about kind of what's going on macro and UX are micro at User Interviews and how the two play together. And to do that, we're going to talk about good stuff and not so good stuff. So in user interviews parlance, we have tacos and Tide Pods. JH, you want to explain what that means? Yeah. So we're a remote team and we always have been. So we use Slack a lot and a lot of our culture (laughs) comes out of Slack. So way back when somebody installed a Slack bot called Hey Taco, which is, you know, you give somebody a taco emoji as a thank you or a shout out for doing something well. We've since uh, since evolved to a more sophisticated tool where you can like tie it to specific values and, and other stuff. But uh, this was how we got started. And so tacos have just become a long celebrated positive thing in the team. And then somewhere along the line, somebody made a Tide Pod emoji during the people eating Tide Pod craze <laughs> in the world, which I don't remember when that was, but it was it's a thing. It's been a few years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, we, I think the team quickly flagged that it's not great to Tide Pod somebody else. It's not mean to, you know, it's mean to call out Aaron and say Tide Pod or whatever. I and mean, somewhere along the line, it just became this organic thing where if you made a mistake, you would just Tide Pod yourself and kind of own like, hey, I, I kind of messed this up and I just want to call that out and say that to the team. And so we thought that'd be a fun way, a little inside joke for uh, for this segment. Awesome. So on that note, who would like to share a taco? Okay, yeah, I'll go first. <laughs> Twist my arm. Okay, so my taco is... I guess a couple of things. A, we've been hiring, which anyone who's hiring knows is, you know, it's a whole vibe right now, hiring. And I've got two new people on the team. And one of them, Betsy, is leading events. And that's really exciting. But a really exciting part of that is that in-person events are back. And we are uh, sponsoring our first in-person event in literally years. It's the Learners event. If anyone listening is familiar, if you're not, come see us there. We'll be there, a bunch of us, me and Roberta, some other folks. And I'm just so, so excited to be at an in-person event, to meet the Learners people I've been emailing with, videoing with, Zooming with, podcasting with for years in real life. Super excited. I'm glad that this is something we get to do again, just like generally speaking in human terms, but also UX research in general. And and the programming is going to be awesome. Just a really cool list of uh, diverse conversations on topics that are hot and interesting and we should be having. So very excited for that. I'm so excited. Yeah. (laughs) Is it like multiple days? What's the format? 
It's multiple days. In fact, I think learners, the, you know, which started, I believe, as the UX Research Conference is mm -hmm. now a series of conferences and community and content and all these wonderful things. And we are sponsoring the UX Research Conference Monday and Tuesday, June 6th and 7th. And then Wednesday, June 8th will be the Research Ops Conference, first time for that. Then later in the week, there's a design conference. And then I think there's a, another conference the week after. So it's really a whole lot of kind of connected but but separate events and of course remote as well so if you can't yeah. be there we'll be on the interwebs nice. yeah the program is like stacked i am so mm -hmm. excited i'm also very because i'm so introverted like hang out with my camp all day nervous to meet everyone in person but very mm -hmm. excited like the reacts community has been huge for so many years and just seeing people in person is going to be amazing so yeah. cannot wait yeah Awesome. Awesome. Good one. Roberta, you want to share your taco? Sure. I'm really excited. Our research team, when I started, we did a lot of like discovery research using Teresa Torres's continuous discovery framework. And slowly but surely, we've been introducing like new research methods for the team over the last like eight, nine months. And it feels like it's really coming to a head like over the last few weeks where we're rolling out new methods like surveys, usability testing, concept testing. So it just, it seems like our team's hitting a new just maturity level, which is really exciting. Get to get in like the weeds and talk about the craft of research a little bit more. And like our team's growing too. Like Aaron said, we have like a user researcher who started in February, Morgan. We have a research ops manager. So it seems like our team is like really hitting its stride and like, really starting to show the impact of research on the team, which is really exciting. Was there one uh, method you were like particularly excited to see come, uh, come to life? <laughs> For me, it's honestly uh, usability testing, like preference testing. This is really embarrassing to admit, but because I've been in the land of like product strategy, research strategy for so long, especially like job wise, I actually hadn't done a usability test in probably a year. Like I was looking at the calendar and I was like, oh, wow, it's been a hot minute. So going in and it's just a different way of doing research and like our team's going to have to unlearn things. We're currently going through that and learning new things has been really fun. I like the cycle too, because it's much quicker than like strategic mm -hmm. research, which like that research is so impactful, but it's just a really nice change of pace that I've been enjoying a lot of. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah, that research is impactful, but can also be overwhelming, right? It's like, oh, there's so much opportunity. But with yes. usability testing, you know, it's not always like silver bullet, here's what to do. But it, it, you know, it's pretty, pretty clear oftentimes what the next steps are. And hopefully you're in a position where you can take them. So very satisfying. Yeah, yeah definitely. when the feedback loop is that tight, it's it's super nice. Yeah, and it's really nice to be, especially with like the concept testing, usability testing, to be closer lockstep with the product pods and the product teams too. That has been really fun for us. So getting to work more with JH's team, like on a daily basis, for sure. JH, what's your taco? My taco is I'm going to try to speak an idea I want to see in the world into existence. <laughs> and I use this app called Readwise, which syncs highlights from my Kindle and Instapaper and you know various sources. You can save tweets there as well. And the whole premise basically is every day or whatever frequency you want, It'll send you five like randomly selected highlights from like books or articles you've read. And 
I just find myself uncovering like so many things that I forgot or interesting insights and it's causing me to revisit stuff. I'm sure my team is aware because I keep sending quotes to everyone. But I think there's something like this to be really cool for insights in a company, like whether it be, you know, from research in the past or something, you know, about users or, you know, an analytics finding or whatever. But if I could get like one or two of these a week or a day that just says, you know, hey, don't forget about this thing that we learned three or four months ago. I, I just find that like a really rewarding cycle. And you don't, I don't go back and read my like highlights, you know, on my own otherwise. So as people get into the repository game and, and, better packaging and storing this stuff. I, I think it'd be cool if there's a way to like automatically resurface it. So I'm just going to try to plug that. That's cool. I've got a folder of read later, which is where articles go to die. So anything <laughs> that actually <laughs> gets me uh, reading and rereading things, definitely a fan of that. Yeah. And I think like, you know, not to be pessimistic, but I think in a lot of organizations, right, somebody does a ton of work to put together a deck or do a write-up or whatever and share it out. And, like, for two days or something, maybe it's getting consumed and commented on, but then it kind of falls off mm -hmm. and, you know, resurfacing that two or three months later and, and letting people take a look at part of it again. I think it'd be useful. Absolutely. All right. A quick awkward interruption here. It's fun to talk about user research, but you know what's really fun is doing user research, and we want to help you with that. We want to help you so much that we have created a special place. It's called userinterviews.com slash awkward for you to get your first three participants free. We all know we should be talking to users more. So we went ahead and removed as many barriers as possible. It's going to be easy. It's going to be quick. You're going to love it. So get over there and check it out. And then when you're done with that, go on over to your favorite podcasting app and leave us a review, please. All right, so we, we switching gears? Yes, let's take a turn for the negative, the Tide Pod section. So let's jump in. Hey, JH, why don't we just stick with you? Can ride it on into yeah, the other this, side. Yeah, I mean, this builds off of what I was just talking about in some ways, because some of the stuff that's been resurfaced to me is about you know product development and different thinkers and, and articles I've loved on that front. And I think one of the things that has been really top of mind, I think applies to user research as well, is a lot of how you fix stuff that's maybe not going the way you want is kind of counterintuitive because I think the obvious stuff to do when like say like product development is not going the way you want like something shipped late or whatever people try to put like more control and more planning on it and then you know you get into some finger pointing or some some tighter roles and responsibilities and you actually kind of get into this like detrimental or like vicious cycle and I think with work like knowledge work that has ambiguity or any sort of like nebulous stuff to it. The way that you need to manage it to break out of any ruts or get out of any bad patches, I think is just not obvious unless you've done it and like lived this stuff for a while. And we're just thinking about that, how that applies to research as well. Like if a research plan doesn't yield the insights you need or this or that, I, I could imagine organizations taking like what seems on the surface to be good corrective actions, but actually have like second order negative consequences. And so I don't have like a clean way to wrap that up, but it's been super top of mind for me lately. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like control a little bit. Like if something goes wrong, you want to like course correct it, control it. But sometimes you just have to give in to the the craziness. And then that's where like some of the beauty comes from is <laughs> like you're figuring it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I wrote about this at one point. I forget where it is. But the idea of like, because I, I grew up in central New York where there's a lot of snow. Mm -hmm. And if you go around a turn in the winter and you fishtail, you know, you don't turn the way you were turning. You have to turn into the problem. Yes. You know what I mean? yeah. And it's like, I think a lot of problems like this in knowledge work that too. So yes. you need to like lean into it. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I'm just thinking about sometimes, you know, and it depends, depends, depends on the, the problem. Sometimes you got to go the other way. Sometimes you got to let it ride and knowing what to do. That's the art of it. 
Yeah, so I guess maybe the meta point here is if uh, if you have something that feels off in your research practice or your product or design things, maybe just take a moment and take like a holistic look on how you're going to approach it versus just taking the like what seems to maybe be the obvious path. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Systemic look for sure. Yeah, I love that because I think, you know, like there's the sunk cost fallacy, of course, of we don't want to. We've invested time. We don't want to course correct. But then at the same time, we don't want to be knee jerky and switching directions too much so i think that's one of those it's an interesting one i've got a tide pod kind of a confession i guess here for my monthly confession so i haven't done research that like i have set up myself in a long time like i'm going to set up a session with a participant and talk to them it's been a minute and uh, certainly i have benefited from all the great research Roberta and her team have been doing. I consume a ton of passive insights. I feel like I am mitigating my own confession now with all the wonderful passive research <laughs> I'm doing. But I do miss like being in a semi-regular cadence of either doing like research projects I'm leading or there were times when I would do just kind of ongoing interviews just to have mm -hmm. that steady diet of kind of talking to researchers. So I miss that. I would like to get back to it someday. And if I um, make my intention known, perhaps it will happen. <laughs> well, now that you told me too, we're going to be yes. Tell the right people. So, yeah. yes. Roberta, where do you actually think about this? Because I'm in actually somewhat of a similar boat to Aaron. Of my team is now doing so much research in their work, and they do a really good job putting together snapshots and write-ups mm -hmm. and summaries and sharing clips, and I consume all that. So I feel like I'm getting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm like closer and have a pulse in customers in a way that is almost greater than I've had in the past, but I'm not actually the one doing it or facilitating it. Yeah. And I, I go back and forth because in some ways it feels like it gives me, like I'm getting this pulse across the whole business. And as I think about strategy and vision and, and kind of like how we're going to plan for the next six months or so, it's really useful. But I'm wondering if I do need to like supplement that with some of my own, you know, hands-on research. Yeah, I'm actually hitting something similar as we grow the team too, because my role's shifting into like research coaching now with my own team and then with the product teams. I find that I personally get an itch around like two to three months if I haven't done a study of some sort. And so I try to keep up a regular cadence for myself. I think like, I mean, long-term dream if we're doing like intentions, manifesting, hopefully. I want to get a recurring research program going. I think a lot of our stuff right now is like project-based or like opportunity solutions, but I would love to use our own tool and just be like, hey team, Friday, we're going to talk to like eight participants and just schedule it. And like, we're going to do it once a month. And maybe it's like the leadership team who pops in or like other teams, but just having like that reoccurring touch base. I think the work that the teams, like the research team, the product teams do is super valuable, but I think it's also valuable going through the process of like scheduling, like all the parts of the research process, not just digesting the insights, especially when it comes to our own product to JH, like. I think yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think it's tough. I, I feel this way a little bit with like quant data too. Like now that we have yeah. a whole team of data scientists and analysts, usually I'll just poke somebody and they probably already have a report on it or whatever. And then every so often I'm like, well, I could write this query. Like I could get this. Yeah. Like, it is kind of fun to stay sharp, <laughs> but then it's like, I don't know. I just wasted a half hour. <laughs> Maybe I should have just asked somebody. Star first. select yeah. over here. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I feel that. yeah. I think what I miss is, you know, just like the connection. Like it's, uh, yeah. we talk about, researchers talk about putting their research together and getting people to actually read it or absorb it. And so if you can bring people along for the ride or just like the more you can sort of 
synchronously or intimately involve them in the research some way besides here's a doc, please read it at your own mm-hmm. convenience, the more they'll actually. And there's just nothing that beats actually, whether you're moderating or just note taking or whatever, but actually being there one-on-one is, it's pretty cool. Yeah. But I'm thinking about the ongoing research practice, Roberta, and I don't know what it looks like to, I know on the product team, we have the ongoing discovery and the opportunity trees and these kinds of frameworks, but I'm imagining, I don't know, like a collage, right? Of where, how do you build on your understanding of the researcher over time and just like layer on top of it and, you know, like this, we're getting more conviction here. This is an interesting outlier. Let's dig into that. And like, what does that actually look like? I don't know, but. Well, because we are rolling out EnjoyHQ, they have like knowledge graphs where you can see where you know, like have the most insights in a particular area. So ideally, like we're in the final stages of getting that rolled out that we can start to look at it and say, huh, we don't really know this much here. Let's actually like investigate that area a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I will give a plug just because I know sometimes we speak at a high level, but like the the snapshots that the team puts together, like is a nice intermediate of obviously being in the sessions is is very different. Uh, but waiting to the end for like a big rolled up report is also kind of different. And getting these like real time, like this thing happened a half hour ago. And what we do is the team will share it out in Slack. So we have like dedicated channels for these things. There'll be a quick fact section. So like three, four bullets about who the person is, you know, what their org is, you know, whatever sort of relevant metadata there is. Then they'll have some insights. So like a handful of bullets of things that are most interesting. And then a handful of bullets around opportunities of like how might we be able to help this person. And then they'll link out to some of the clips on those things. And I'll see those come through. I'll like read through it for five minutes, watch a couple clips. Like it's a really nice way. So uh, if people are looking for new things to try, would, would give snapshots a plug. They're great. All right. Who else has Tide Pod? Roberta. Yep. My, one of my worst things, I, especially right now, because the demand on our team is growing and just a lot of coaching work, education. I have been in like back-to-back meetings for the past like two to three weeks, which is like horrible. And I mention it because when I'm on interviews with researchers, they always talk about time, like crunches, not having enough time. Just like no, no day, no two days are the same. And I'm seeing this manifest in my own schedule and sometimes I'll be like no taking for our team and I just, I don't schedule in time for synthesis or analysis or like coaching and I'm like, why? And so I'm like going gung ho right now with blocking off my calendar like next oh, yeah. week. You have so. to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If, you're, if your calendar is going to be back to back no matter what, you got to back it with where your values are and how you want to spend yes. your time, right? I mean, easier yeah. said than done. No one has enough time in the day, but um, yes, got to protect sure. it. Yeah. 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 So I've been uh, scheduling walks in the middle of the day, trying to start to do that too. So it's the best. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. yeah. I do. I, I have to go on a side rant. I do think for like remote teams where you have some autonomy on your schedule, you know, assuming that your role supports it. I'm a huge fan of the sort of like somewhat atypical schedule. You know what I mean? Like if I'm up early, getting a jump on some work I need to do, taking a break to hang out with my kids, you know, working, sneaking out in the middle of the day for a run or a walk, you know, maybe wrapping up early to make dinner, jumping on later to close stuff out. Like I know that doesn't work for everyone, but it works for me. So I'm going to, I always just like to plug it. I feel like it's just like, it feels like you're almost like your own small business and you get to like kind of work on your own terms. Obviously there's limits to that, especially with meetings, but. Yeah. 
I'm a fan versus I know some people are really strict. I'm like nine to five, close my laptop, take off my work from home slippers, put on my hanging out slippers and, you know, switch gears. <laughs> <laughs> How many slippers do you have? <laughs> no, you know what I mean? Like some people really like yeah, the context. No, like, totally, I'm done with work. Totally. Uh, I, I like the blender, but but it does require some discipline for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's all slippery slopes. Cool. Well, that was that. Any other thoughts, folks? No, I'm super curious to see if people have feedback on the format. I think now that we know the format ourselves, we can probably do a better job of, you know, keeping track of things that are interesting to us so we can talk about them. Yeah, it was fun. Yes, definitely. I know we're going to poke you guys over the next month. (laughs) We're going to be doing studies. I'm going to be sending JH Insight follow-ups like Readwise. It's going to be great. (laughs) Cancel all my meetings with Roberta. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Awkward Silences, brought to you by User Interviews. Theme music by Fragile Gang. Editing and sound production by Carrie Boyd. <laughs>